Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. Visit westernsouthern.com. Baseball present. Baseball past. Gonna share a few stories. Gonna have a few laughs. On the Jim Day. The Jim Day The happiest of all-star breaks to you. And welcome again to the Jim Day podcast. Those that are not involved in the all-star game, like me, for anyone that works in Major League Baseball in that category, we get a few days off. Hallelujah. With that in mind, we thought it'd be a good time to bring you an all-star edition of the Jim Day podcast. A classic version, if you will. And if you look back into the archives, and we invite you to do that. If you're just picking up this podcast, go back into the archives. There's some great stuff in there, and most of it's evergreen. And even if you have been a longtime listener of this podcast, go back in there and listen to them again. There's some good stuff. This one, above all else, the ones that really stand out, the the most comments that I got, the biggest feedback I got was actually from, I think this was the fourth episode we ever aired. And that's with the mayor, Sean Casey. The stories told on this, he did a few with me, and we'll bring you those other ones in classic episodes as well. (laughs) But he had me crying. I mean, these stories are gold, and they they will live forever in baseball lore. And speaking of all-star games, three-time all-star Sean Casey, the mayor, lifetime 302 hitter, he can rake... And man, can he rake when he's telling stories. And he's going to right now. Once again, if you're listening to us, God bless you. I love you. Thank you. And enjoy this classic episode of the Jim Day Podcast with none other than Sean Casey. One of my favorite people of all time, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Casey on the Jim Day Podcast. (laughs) Dude, I mean... As soon as I heard you had a podcast day, I was like, oh, I got to come on there. <laughs> I was Overwhelmingly, the demand for you, people said, when I put out feelers of, who do you want on this podcast? Overwhelming. They're like, got to be Sean Casey. That's great, man. That's you, great. If you know anything about this podcast, you know that uh, it's a lot of storytelling, et cetera. So I know you've got a thousand stories and you've told them a thousand times, but we're going to go a thousand and one do it. on this podcast. But first, um, what a charmed life you have lived. Uh, first of all, the major league career you had was outstanding. Um, and now working for MLB Network. I, I mean, yeah, that's great, you're, man. should I say colleague? <laughs> yes, I, I guess I am. Man, I've been fortunate. I've been really, I really have been blessed, man, with the life I've had. Just you know, playing baseball, especially in Cincinnati those years, and uh, you know, being doing the MLB Network now has been great. Give me flexibility, be home with the family and stuff. So it's, uh, it's really cool, man. You know, you it's the same gig you got. We were like, hey, we're talking baseball, getting paid. Yeah. I'm Jim Day. Here we go. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Get a... me in the booth. <laughs> 
it's a little different because uh, I don't have the stories or the MLB career to fall back on like you do. I got to do it the hard way. Yeah. Like, you know. like please give me an interview. Please. Yes. There's been, nothing, dude, there's nothing worse on this side of the job terrible. than like having to beg people for an interview. Like, Isn't it? Oh, really? You really think I want to like ask you three questions? Like, I have a job to do. Like, and I'm a former player. Like, right. I, I mean, I know sometimes, you know, I, I'm. I don't know if you grind sometimes to get oh. guys, but like, geez, it's just are you like, kidding me? Especially spring training, it, it's such guys are off on their own plan. <laughs> yeah, and right. Like, take three or four days to get a guy. <laughs> the worst part of my job, bar none, is to stand in the clubhouse. Oh, wait, I don't, I don't even there's go. nothing worse, uh, dude. I don't even go in. They're like, can you go in the clubhouse? I'm like, no. Yeah. I was like, I'll never go in the clubhouse because. I always feel like that's a player's clubhouse, but for you guys yeah. to stand in there, oh, one I thing, can't but like, stand. It's like so uncomfortable. I can't stand it. We're all standing in the middle. Yeah, we look like, like just looking. At we look other. like lost sheep. Like, and then they they're like, "Oh, come over here. Here yeah, we go. Yeah. We're gonna Joey go over Mato's here." Joey Votto ready to talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just it is by far the worst part of my job. People are like, "Oh, it's cool. You get to go in the clubhouse at first, yeah, but now it's like, no. Yeah, no, Ugh. no. I'm with yeah, these guys yeah, all the time. It's not fun. Yeah, and they don't want to see me. Man, look at look at this face they're dealing with. They Gotta right. look at me every day. <laughs> now, speaking of a charmed life, you have a face for a podcast, though, which is good. I do. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm a man that happens to know his limitations. I can't believe after all these years they're still putting this on TV. I mean, look what I got to work with. Hey, dude, you're like a fine wine. You get better thought, with age. Listen, I thought when high definition television came out. I was done. Yeah, I'm got... serious. I told everyone I'm done. There, there's no chance for me in the future of HD TV. They have the good makeup now, and bro. You... Oh no! Sometimes when it's hot and stuff, I don't put it on. I just I'm scaring you people. Start sweating. I like a 75 inch HD TV on the wall. It's like ah, turn him down. Get Jim Scare Day women off. and Get children. Jim Day off the. I don't know how I've lasted. I really don't. I mean, it's a blessing. Oh, that's great, man. Now speaking of a charmed life, um, right now we're in Arizona, folks. Sean's doing his MLB Network stuff. And last night, uh, you're like, oh, yeah, I had dinner with Eddie Vedder last night. And uh, Who was the crew you had dinner well, with? We, have, you know, we always go uh, – well, Jim Tomey and I always go to dinner with uh, Anthony Rizzo and Ian Happ. Ian Happ's yeah. from Pittsburgh. And, known, you know, went to the University of Cincinnati. Right. <clears throat> I've known Ian since he was like 15 years old. We've hit for years. And uh, and so – and Riz has become a good friend of mine over the years. So the, the four of us usually go and, and uh, you know – Ed played a concert the other night, you know, that Innings Festival. Right. And Chelios was in town, so uh, – and Ro- David Ross is in town, so, you know, we ended up, you know, bringing Ed along and, and Chelly and Chelly along. Those guys are, like, two of the big baseball, biggest baseball fans oh, ever. Yeah. So they, they just want to hear the stories. And David Ross is, like, one of the most amazing dudes. You know, Cincinnati oh, yeah. knows him, one of the most oh, yeah. amazing dudes going. And he has so many great self-effacing humor stories. It's it's phenomenal. It's like – I. I had left dinner last night with a like a raging headache. Like I literally, I was like, "Oh my god, why do I have a migraine?" I was like, "Cause I've been laughing for four straight hours. That's why I have a migraine." <laughs> well, how did you? I mean, you're you're very good friends with Eddie Vedder. For those that don't know, the nerds out there that don't know, no, just kidding. Uh, Pearl Jam lead singer Eddie Vedder, one of the greatest rock stars of all time. Uh, how did you become such good friends? You know, I met Ed back in 2003 when when I was with the Reds because he loves Jose Cardinal. Yeah, Jose Cardinal is one of the greatest. He came to the stadium. Yeah, he you know Ed loved the Cubs, and Cardinal was his guy. Yeah. And you know, I love Cardinal. He was just such a wonderful guy. He was a great coach for the couple years there with us in Cincinnati. And and uh, came one, in to play catch that day. I remember. Yeah, came in to play catch. Yeah. Remember, he had like the short yeah, blonde hair. Short I'm like, who's got hair. the short blonde hair? Yeah. Is that Billy Idol? They're like, no. <laughs> Like no, it's, it's Eddie Vedder. So, and Ed was so cool. He played the he played uh, 
you've got the higher love away the Beatles yeah. song. Um, uh, it was like Juan Castro's guitar, right? It was Juan Castro's guitar. Jason yeah. LaRue was like, hey, you could play a song for us. So he did that night. It was really cool. And then uh, kind of reconnected with him when I was in Boston in 08. Him and Theo Epstein are like best of buddies. And yeah. then I reconnected there. And, you know, we struck a pretty cool friendship. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. Loves baseball. You know, we both love baseball, love music. And uh, just a great dude. And, then, you know, got to know Chris Chelios, too, through yeah. Ed, who's a good guy. So, yeah, just, you know, like I said, just good people. Yeah, we're, I remember at Cincinnati, Pearl Jam's playing. We, I got really good seats, and all of a sudden I'm like, well, I don't have as good a seats as Casey because there, <laughs> there he goes backstage. <laughs> You're sneaking back there, looking around at us like, yeah, I know. I'm friends with Ed, I'm going back. Well, what was coolest was we went to Karate's place, the Green Diamond Gallery, like the day I before heard. or a couple days before. I, Pete like wrote, four in the morning. Pete, yeah, we were there until late. And what was great was I told Bronson Arroyo, I said, Bronson, bring your guitar. Because he's unbelievable. Bronson can flip up, flat out rip guitar. And, yeah. So I said, you know, bring your guitar. Maybe, you know, Ed will sing, we'll sing along or something like that. You know, meanwhile, I'm like, I'm in the back, like, singing along. I'm still alive. They're like, all right, how about you shut up and let, uh, let's let let Ed and Bronson play a little bit. Like, and you just take your uh, Hulk Hogan act and go out of here. You know? So, but we had a great time. I mean, Karate's place, a great, great, yeah, diamond great Karate. diamond gallery. Unbelievable. Pete Rose, you know, Pete came in, uh, Pete, Jr., Pete Jr. came. We had a nice dinner that night. Uh, and you know, hearing Pete, you know, when Pete, Pete Rose gets the floor, you know, sometimes there's, there's some good stories you oh, know, yeah. going. So we had a good night that night. And like I said, uh, you know, we, Bronson played, ripped guitar for like, we must've played 20 songs or something on Karate's back porch until like five in the morning. Yeah. The pictures yeah. are outstanding of you guys singing. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. Oh, the still, the- yeah. There's pictures. There's still shots of you uh, singing. Oh, is I don't know who really? had them. Uh, was you and Eddie and someone else in the uh, picture and you are just like if you had a, to capture a one split second where someone is just totally into singing, it was you, man. You were you were belting it out. I'm like, I, I know. I'm like the guy that sings in the shower. I'm like, God, am I good? Does Ed better ever tell you to say, Case, turn it down? Well, dude, the other night, the other night on the Innings Festival, he grabs me. You know, we did yeah. this thing with Dempster, and Ed's like, Hey, man. He's like, Grab Dempster. Uh, you know, grab you know Madden and those all the guys on stage. He's like, come up for Hard Sun at the end, right? So I'm like, I look out at the crowd. I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, I could hit in front of sixty thousand, no problem. But I look out the crowd. I'm like, there's like fifteen thousand people. I have one of the worst voices in the country. So I'm like, this isn't a good idea. Like, at what point did he think it was cool <laughs> for me to come out on the mic? So <clears throat> here we go. And Schmitty, his manager, is like, all right, Case. He's like, as soon as Ed stands up, you're gonna go to that mic over there. I was like. This is really happening. This is so dumb, <laughs> Schmitty. But it was cool, you know. You know, and and it, and I think Ed wanted to have the experience for us to be out on stage. Oh yeah. So we get out there, and I'm singing "Hard Sun," and and uh, Ed starts playing, and, and uh, <laughs> I start singing like the lyrics when I shouldn't have been, and I'm like, "It's a big hard sun." And Ed's he's down the other end of the stage, and he's not singing. And he looks at me, he's like, "Not yet." <laughs> Not yet. I'm like, oh god. I'm like, I'm blowing it already. I was like, I knew I shouldn't be up on stage. <laughs> no, I, I saw a video of, of Eddie, who was a surprise guest on Dempster's show. Right. Um, and this big fathead of you. <laughs> yeah. Someone at a concert in Italy, yeah, right? A yeah. Pearl Jam concert in Italy, has this large. Fathead of you <laughs> yeah. in the crowd that Eddie noticed, right? Yeah. Well, you know, opening day when I was the Grand Marshal in Cincy a couple of years ago, they had those big fat heads made yeah. up. And so, uh, by the my- way, folks, if you hear 
table. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I no, talk with my hands constantly. No, me too. I'm like you. I'm so animated. <laughs> so, so, oh, you know, I, th- they were out there. And my friend Shannon, who I work with at MLB Network, is a yeah. huge Pearl Jam fan. So she was heading to Italy to watch him play. And she goes, I ordered one of those, uh, you know, Sean Casey faces. And she goes, I'm just going to have it bobbing up and down. It's like, is it Padova in Italy or something like that? Yeah. So, so, sure enough, she was sending me pictures on her way, you know, whatever. And then that night, she sends me a video, and I guess, of, of, of like 100,000 people in Italy the chanting, hey, Sean Casey. He had them chant. They were chanting? chanting. Oh, I didn't know that. Meanwhile, they have no idea who I am, right? They're like, who? They're like what are we chanting? They could be chanting, hey, Jim Day, you know, right? They had no idea. So, like, Ed gets these, these people in Italy start chanting, hey, Sean Casey. He sends me the, you know, the, um, the little file on it. It was unbelievable. But he said that. He said that, you know, he had lost his voice a couple of days earlier or something. So, he's, you know, he had a little bit of a cold. So he was kind of grinding through that. And he says he's in the middle of the, middle of the songs and, 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 and on the set. And he just sees this thing bobbing up and down. It's like just above everyone's head. And he says he kind of looks out there. He's like, you know, he's, he thought he was like the medication was getting him or something. He's like, like is, is that Sean Casey? Ahead of Sean Casey, like bobbing up and down in Italy? It turns out it was, and he sent me the he, he sent me this video where he points it to the camera. And it's like, yeah. get it, the it's right there. Great. And so he 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 ended up stealing it from my friend Shannon. He still and still has the the head, which is so funny. And then he sent me like the, at a break, the whole band like held the head up and right. The like, thanks for joining well. us in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gave, he brought the head on Dempster's show. Yeah, right? he brought the head on Dempster's show. Like he carries like, it last every, night. Yeah, he carries it wherever he goes. <laughs> I mean, it's an unbelievable picture of me doing like mouth open, like yeah, you know. Could you have ever imagined a little kid from Pittsburgh, PA? <laughs> and I came, I think I came out to Pearl Jones, come out to Evenflow, like all yeah. those years. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I do pinch myself sometimes just for all the experiences I've had. Like, how, like, you know, you have moments where you're like, how'd I get here? Yeah. You know, how'd I get here? Like this moment right now, I'm on your podcast yeah. across from Jim Dam. Like, oh, yeah. How did I get here? I'm sure this is a, <laughs> one of the pinnacles of your career. By the way, I appreciate you doing this because it's just little old me. I mean, you're, you're on like the Late Late oh, Show dude. and late, late MLB. Show with with Dempster. With, yeah. I mean, you're on all these things in the little old Jim Day podcast. How we looking? All right. Good. Now, the, these, I, we, I got things written down of stories. <laughs> and it's like three pages long of stuff that I know stories that you've told over the years. There's so uh, many of them. I know. Um, I want to start with the Hall of Fame speech, the Reds Hall of Fame speech, though, <laughs> okay. because you were so animated. And then my when favorite, I was on the field, yeah, yeah. My favorite part. <laughs> Boom! I know. I just naturally came. I have no idea how I did, what I was like. What I was, what I was doing? I like, you know, like I was playing again or something. You know what? Here's one thing that always bothered me, and I am grateful to kind of like have a, have a second to talk. You know, one thing that always bothered me was getting traded that off season and like just just the connection I had with the fans for all the years and yeah. just the stuff that you know with being a part of the community. I always felt just like so at home in Cincinnati and I, I loved every second of it and I really loved the fans and uh you know and getting traded that offseason like it just didn't sit well with me it just you know you know it was 45 second phone call from Dan O'Brien getting traded from Mike Williams who was just slopping poop soup up there you know I'm like I got traded from Mike Williams there's a fight at the bat rack to face him like what? Are you kidding me? I, just tell me you're dumping my salary. That don't, was terrible. Don't tell me you're getting this guy. Just tell me you're dumping my salary. You know what I mean? Like so yeah. So, you know, for me to have the opportunity 
Um, and I didn't write anything for that speech. I just told myself, like, just get on the mic and just speak from the heart. Like, and so, and I, and so I did. And I, what I really wanted to say was, like, I couldn't have been more honored and more thankful and more grateful to wear that Cincinnati Reds uniform, you know, with 21 on the back, with kids and, 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 and people and fans wearing that uniform. Mean, I used to look in the stands and be like, it's so cool that, like, oh, yeah. you know, talk about pinching yourself. Like, yeah. so cool that people paid their hard-earned money to buy a Sean Casey jersey, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, mm-hmm. so th- for me, that, that, that Hall of Fame speech for how quick it was, even though it was a chance for me to just tell, those, tell everyone in Cincinnati, like, how honored I was. You know, and how I never took that for granted playing in Cincinnati. Like, it just, I loved it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I was, I was devastated when I got traded, and it worked out okay. I went to Pittsburgh, you know, where I'm from, and I, and I loved playing for the Pirates because that was like a team I always wanted to play for because I grew up watching them and ended up going to the World Series that year in 06 with Detroit. And, and then I played right. with Terry Francona in Boston in 08. But, you know, I think in my back of my mind, I always thought I'd be in Cincinnati forever. You yeah. Know what I mean, so, so having that Hall of Fame, having that speech, and having that moment on the field, and, 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 and I thought it was great too. Like, it seemed like all the fans were in their seats, you know, before I got a chance to talk. So it was, you know, got a chance to talk to a lot of people. So, yeah, it was a great moment for me. I've seen a lot of Hall of Fame speeches over the years, Reds Hall of Fame speeches, right. and yours was by far the best. I mean, <laughs> And I was winging it. I'm like, I'm yeah. just going to wing this. Like, Some of them are yeah. like, all right, uh, rap, rap, uh, rap. Can't thank any more people. It's 120 <laughs> degrees out here, okay, and uh, Johnny Bench is sweating bullets right in front of me. I don't know if to- a Doggy Perez is going to make it. <laughs> Concepcion's pitting out it through yeah. his red jacket. Oh, where was it that uh, I can't remember? It might have been uh, the Nuxy event where they had me imitate you. Oh yeah, that was I got the Joe Nuxall word right, right from, yeah. from Kim. Right? Yeah, and then you came up. You're like, yeah, yeah. You went around imitating me, <laughs> and then you went up to Marty. Remember Marty was yeah, in like the, the video. Yeah, Marty was in the food room, and you're like, hey brother, yeah. right? He went, he went along with it. I'm yeah, like, and Marty's like, hey, Marty, hey. and he's like, hey, what's up, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Your wife, the look on her face was like, oh my gosh, he is like that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That was wait. Well, that was at the Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, right? I think I did one at the and, Hall and of then Fame. You did the off, and then the Nuxall thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nuxall was live. Thing. The other one yeah. was a video. Oh yeah, <laughs> was it live? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's good stuff. It's very good stuff. Um, now speaking of Marty, he oh. was uh, he was the first guest on this podcast, <laughs> and we talked about the day that you called him cantankerous. <laughs> Which was outstanding. So great, man. So great. <laughs> he said you like regretted it afterwards. <laughs> you know what's funny, man? Marty, like Marty's, you know, when I, you're a young kid and you know he's crushes you on the on the air and like you know guys in the clubhouse. You know, looking back, we're like the, the sensitive baseball players. You know, you think you're so important. You know, hey, I can't believe you said that about me. He's like, well, you were over four with a couple punch outs and left six guys on base, so he does have a job to do. You know, it's funny now yeah. looking back, but you know. I love Marty, man, to death, and uh, you know it's, it's it's funny how our relationships evolved over the years. But I, I always felt like I was the voice of the team, you know what I mean? For every for, for a lot of different things, and I remember, you know, some guys complaining about Marty or something, and, I, and then I heard, you know, I think I heard the uh, you heard him saying a couple of things, and I remember getting on the flag just saying, you know what you are, man, you're cantankerous. <laughs> he was like, what? Yeah. I'm like, you're cantankerous, what you are. And I just walked off and like. But man, I mean, I I love Marty, man. I mean, what what a career he's had. And, you know, Nuxy, I love them together was were wonderful. Yeah. And but 
you know, as Marty gets older too, it's funny to see him lighten up and and uh, you know, you know, I think he doesn't take himself so life so seriously and himself so serious as he gets older. And he finally got rid of that hair too. Like uh, well, the greatest thing was was my first year with the Reds. I, I went to, on the caravan after the thing, and we went to the I think the, what's the, what's the club in Dayton? Like a men's club? There's like a there's like oh a, yeah, it's like a. Ghana's club, or yeah, no, or but it's something? it's awesome. It's yeah. a bunch of old dudes. They're just yeah. they're like it's the boys' club, right? right? And they want the stories. Oh, dude, they, yeah. they don't want it. Yeah, dressed so up. I don't really know Marty at the time, and I, I'm new to the Reds. I'm a little nervous. You know what I mean? I you know whatever, and and you know I, I just finished my 98 season, so it's, so it's off season. <laughs> and I didn't realize Marty was such a big deal. And uh, <laughs> which, listen, Marty, don't get it. If you ever listen to this podcast, I don't know why you would, but like, don't get a big head, okay? It's already big enough. So, but but Marty, the one guy stands up, like Marty's taking questions, like, uh, yeah, you sir. He's like, hey, Marty, guy stands up, you know, just a good old boy. Hey, Marty, who the f does your hair? <laughs> Did he it was so good. I can't even say what Marty said back because I can't go on the podcast. But I was like, I love this guy. Yeah, <laughs> that was when he traveled a hair dryer oh, yeah. and gel. It was and all he puffed was... up. I'm like, I'm like Marty. It's 2006. Like no one wears their hair like like Lord Helmet anymore. It took <laughs> Lord Helmet. <laughs> it took ten years off of his life. I mean, he, he looks younger now. He looks great. He looks man. younger with the short hair. Yeah. I didn't even recognize him the other day. And he, he's changed his wardrobe. I mean, it's completely yeah. changed. Change. His, yeah, his wife's helped about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he he claims that he's done it on his own. Yeah, so. right. I know. We'll we know better. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some of your favorite teammates on the road? Oh man, I had so many great teammates, man. Uh, Jason Larue is one of my favorite guys. Just you know, just yeah. loved his toughness. You know, Dunner is one of my favorite. Kernsey. Um, you know, love playing. We're gonna play with Griff for six years. Uh, Barry Larkin was so great to me, man. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorites. Taught me so much about the game. Um, Chris Reitzma was probably my favorite teammate. Yeah, you, you guys know. are tight. Yeah, still tight to this day. Our wives were tight with kids at the same time, you know. And uh, I love Reitz. He just was a wonderful guy. I think still that was one of the dumbest, worst trades ever. Like, was that Dan O'Brien again? <laughs> I don't know, but there were a lot of them in okay, that. Okay, Dan, let's get a hold of yourself. <laughs> he traded like two prospects for the for the uh, for the uh, Braves at like. Didn't even do any. I think Jung Ho Bong had like one one star or something. The other guy was out of out of the game. We traded Reitzma, who was like our best starter and closer at the same time. Without this is a great trade. He's like twenty six. <laughs> phenomenal. I so, you're still ticked off. Am about I still it. mad about that? I thought I, I thought I got rid of the resentments in my I life. I, guess I, still, still I think I still off. have that one. You know what I mean? But so uh, you know, Reitz was great, and there's so many of them. Yeah. I mean, I, geez, I, I I could just go down the list of. Uh, you know, great teammates. I'm, I feel bad if I'm forgetting. Well, I mean, Pokey Reese, Dimitri Young, Aaron Boone's one of my best friends. Yeah. You know, I mean, playing with Booney. It was the only time I really, like, was really – Reesma and Boone, when they got traded, I was really upset about that. You know, I remember, like, you know, being crushed about that, you know. But, like, Booney, um, yeah, he was great. Man, that, that 99 Reds team, like, looking back, I mean, we still do a fantasy football. You know, we do this still fantasy, yeah. fantasy football. 20 years. That's sounds Harness weird. runs it. So Pete Harness, Harness, one of the funniest men ever, one of the funniest human beings alive, Denny Nagel, uh, Steve Avery, Hal Morris, Greg Vaughn, uh, Aaron Boone, Greg Vaughn is still in this league, yeah, Dunner, Kernsey, me, and like Ryan Zimmerman or something. Like we had to start throwing a couple guys in there, like Matt Clement. But we all still do the fantasy. Football, we started in 99. Really? We all still do it, man. So we all kind of still have that connection. Greg Vaughn was one of the greatest teammates ever. You know, Dimitri. 
Um, Mike Cameron. I mean, Mike Mike Cameron was one of the greatest teammates ever too. I mean, you know that. I go back and just look at that whole team, and from Jeffrey Hammonds, Tucker, Michael Tucker, that, Eddie that was a fun year, and unfortunately that. One game. Ah, oh, it's a killer. I work with Al Leiter. I still yeah. kind of want to like get him back. I just want to get like, make quick, quick jab him. <laughs> and the the weekend in Milwaukee where you oh. got it's just yeah. Those are I still you know talk about the Reisman story still bothers me and so does that. Yeah, it's still like man, we were such a good team and it, I didn't want that year to end. We it was so much fun and right. I think we 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 rejuvenated the city in baseball. I felt Big like we, I felt like we did a we did something well, for the city of Cincinnati. The, you had to play the extra game. Yeah, I mean the tickets went on sale that morning and you sold out. Sold out place. all the walkups. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that was uh, great, that was man, a great memories, man. Great, great team. Great memories. Now, Junior, when he comes here, yeah, um, I remember when you borrowed his Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, I still have them. We were in St. Louis, and like I'm kind of a hairy guy for some reason. I think like in college I started getting hairy. I'm like, where's all this hair coming from? And I looked at my dad. I was like, oh, my dad's a little hairy, you know. So, so you know, I got like the wall clippers you buy. They're good clippers, you know. I mean, you yeah. buy them, and you get them at, like Walgreens, like 1999, get like right. set. So this one day I look over at Griff, and he's got like you know he cuts his hair and stuff like that, real nice. He's always looking oh, sharp, yeah. you know. What I mean, I look over at these clippers. They're like. It's like the Bentley of Clippers. I've never seen like I don't know where he got them. Like especially, the, I don't think the internet was that popular. There was no Google. Or anything. Like he has to know someone. Like these Clippers he have are, are phenomenal. Like literally, they must have been like five hundred bucks. So I'm like, uh, and like, and sometimes you have the skinny wall Clippers. You go to trim up your body. You know, what I mean, right. it takes you like like an hour. You're like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I gotta stop doing this and just let it go. You know, it's like when you go gray or something. So, so I'm like, uh, I said to Griff, I was like. Hey man, I was like, uh, I think I can borrow those clippers tonight. I'm just gonna trim up a little bit. He's like, I go, I just want to give those for a ride. Thing, like, it looks like the Tesla of clippers. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, no problem. You can try them out. So I go back to my, you know, back to my room that night. I think, yeah, we're in St. Louis, and I'm just, I turn them on, dude. It was like, it was like a weed whacker. Like, it was like a sound. Was like, I'm like, hold on. I had to like hold on, and they started like. Going out of my hand, and we always like, oh my god, these things are unbelievable. Like, it's exactly what I thought it was gonna be. So like, and I go to like trim up my you know chest or back. You know, it's like, it's coming off like at an epic rate. It's like it's like the uh, the lawn mowers where they got the, the the big racks, and you're like, and you cut somebody's grass in like ten minutes, and then next thing you know, you got you've cut twenty lawns. You know what I mean? In, in an hour, that's what these clippers like. It was like a new world for me. It's like, ten minutes later, I was like, this is unbelievable. Like so. So anyway, I go to give him back the next day. I'm like, bro, I was like, can't thank you enough, man. These Clippers like saved me fifty, almost an hour of my life, which which is awesome. And I said, uh, you know, thanks, for, thanks a lot. So I, I give him back to him, and uh, I go to sit at my locker, <laughs> and he's like, he kind of pauses for a second, and I sit down, I'm getting ready to change, and I look over, he's looking right at me, and I go, everything all right, bro? He's like, I was just thinking, he's like, did you trim everywhere with these Clippers? <laughs> And I'm like, uh, I think I might have. That's part of the routine I do. He's like, everywhere. I go, yeah, I did. He goes, you can keep them. <laughs> and you so, still have them? I still have them. The other day I texted him. I sent him a picture of the Clippers and go, bro, thanks a lot, man. I swear to God, I still have them. I swear. And you texted him uh, once I you trimmed up? I literally texted him recently. Bro, I was like, thanks for these Clippers. Meanwhile, they're like, I haven't oiled them, oiled them enough. So, like, now they, like, cut me. They're like, ah, oh, it's like it's like a gaping wound if you, like, you know, don't oil them right. I've had them for, like, I think that was 01. I've had them for, like, 18 years. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, I trimmed everywhere. Yeah. And I think oh, I did man. everywhere. He goes, all right, you can keep them, man. I'll get a new pair. I go, well, you are Ken Griffey Jr. Just signed for $120 million or whatever. So. Oh, that's outstanding. Um, man, I'm just going to tee you up. I'm going to tee you up here, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Of stories that I remember that you've told. Um, Chicago. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you probably know where I'm going. End of the season. Yeah. I don't know. It was like 04 something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, you know, one thing about Chicago, when you go when you go into Chicago, man, it's like, uh, you know, they were so loaded back then with Sosa and, and yeah. uh, D. Lee and, you know, just uh, they would kill us every time. Kerry Wood and Pryor and, you know, they just fuel, you know, Zambrano. And every time you go to Chicago, it was the best place to watch a game, you know what I mean? It was just, like, phenomenal to, you know, to just to even go to the games because it was like a huge party. But they were winning, too. But sometimes we'd get smoked by them. So every time... You know, you go to get on the bus all these years. You're coming out, and the bus is right by. I don't know what the bar is called, but right by that bar. And, like, I feel like every time when you lose, you know, you're full suit. You're, you know, you're kind of like, geez, it's unbelievable. You know, you got fans saying, you, the red stink, and blah, you know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, man. Like, one day. One day we're going to get these guys, right? So, 04 comes. And I remember, like, telling the guys, like, you know, fellas, I know we got we got six games, seven games to go. We had a four-game series in Chicago, then three at home. And I right. said, we got seven games to go, and we're out of the postseason. But we got a shot to affect this race, especially the Cubs. Like, let's come in here these four days and let's get after these guys. And, like, they think, they think they're going to roll over the Reds because we're coming in. Let's, 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 let's show them differently. So we went out there. I think they were a half. I think they were a half game up of the wild card or something like that. I don't know exact numbers, but I know that we went in game. We went in game one and lost. And I'm like, oh man. And then we 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 took the next three games. And whatever happened that transpired there, they somehow were mathematically eliminated because we took three in a row. And whoever was right there maybe won three in a row. Right? right. I think it was the Marlins or something like that. I think it was. Um, and then so. Um, you know, after the game, we're all excited. We got three games going the season. We've just grinded out in Chicago for three out of four days. And, you know, Chicago's, you know, not happy they're not going to be in the postseason. So we go out to this, you know, to the, to the bus, same bars over there. No one's at the bar. A couple people are real somber. They're just talking. No one's kind of flicking us off or saying, hey, you guys stink, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> So I'm like, look at this, huh? Isn't this isn't this unbelievable? We finally got to the to the Cub fans, you know what I mean? Like no one's, you know, how do they like us now? You know, we was like we were kind of having a good time on the bus, and you know, we had a couple pops, and we're just having fun. We're you know, in our right. suits, all everything. So it's like Thursday. It's a Thursday afternoon, right? So we're, we're we we take us five o'clock, at, you know, Wrigleyville. So we're we're driving, we're putting along. Oh yeah, we're putting it's a along. Terrible you know? bus ride, and we're joking around every time a fans pass us. We're banging on the windows like, yeah! you know, they don't even know it's us. It's like. Tinted windows. I don't know who we thought we were going after, but like <laughs> the windows are tinted. We're powdered. You know, we're having a good time. You know, Dunner and those guys. So, um, so you know, next thing I know, um, we're like probably like five blocks from from Wrigley, and I look to the right, and there's a packed, like just a, a local bar. You know, what I mean, it's right. in the neighborhood. It's it's overflowing with Cub fans. Really somber too. Like they're like depressed. You know, they're like oh my god. You know, so I I tell the bus driver, I'm like, hey, you got to let me out. I don't know what got over me. And I was in full suit. And the bus driver's like, I can't let you out, man. We're in traffic. We're moving. I go, we're not moving fast enough. I go, I can get out for a second. Get me out for a second. And then Barry Larkin's like, let him out. And Lark goes, what are you doing? I go, just hang on a second. So I get out the bus. I finagle my way through the crowd. So I'm in the middle of the bar. And I'm like, hey. You know, nowadays, I, you know, they probably thought it was a terrorist attack or something. You, know I mean? like, you can't do what I did back in 2004. So I come and I'm like, hey. And now like, the record stops. You know, everyone looks at me. I'm like, oh, you, oh, you Chicago Cub fans. 
the Cincinnati Reds just kicked your butts. <laughs> Probably in another word. And I'm yelling, and I'm like, like they say in Chicago, better luck next season. <laughs> so then I see like the place turn on me like, we're going to kill this guy. I'm like, oh, my God. This, is, this joke is not that funny right now. Like, I'm nervous for my life. So I go bolt now. I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. You know, like going through the crowd, you know, box him out of the way. I finally get there. I'm like, open the door to the bus driver. Friggin' like dive onto the bus. Like I land on the step. I'm like, ah, you know, like, shut the door. I'm like, I got to crawl up, you know. Next thing you know, like 20 people come flying out of this bar, pounding on our bus. Boom, 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 you know. They're like, was that Sean Casey? Was that Sean? Tell him to come back out and get a picture. I'm like, I ain't coming out there to get a picture. I'm going to get I'm gonna get mobbed or something like that. But I get on the bus. I guess they had realized what I did. The yeah. whole team is, like, against the window. Like, all every guy in the t- And they're pounding on the bus going, yeah, we go. You know, it was just – it was unbelievable. It was, like, one of those, like, kind of, like, funny moments. You know, crazy, what market crazy stuff. So I sit next to Lark in the front of the bus, and, you know, we get going. Like, he goes, man – he goes, I've been in the league 19 years, and I've seen a lot of stuff. He goes, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, that is beautiful. Oh. And you're, you're a man that also almost killed Bob Feller. Oh, God, yeah, I know. Oh, my God. This was a backtracking, right? You were... I was with the Indians. With the Indians. I was, I was, I was going to be with the Reds two weeks later. This, might, this incident might have had something to do with it. <laughs> So you know, it was funny because uh, we just, you know, with MLB Network, we just covered the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, and yeah. Tori Lavolo, who's the ma- who's the uh, uh, the manager of the Diamondbacks, was the guy with me that day. So it's kind of cool because we, Brian Kenny, those guys oh, really? asked Lavolo, and he told the same story. Oh, so it's so great because I'm like, this is not a made up story. It sounds like it is, but it's not. Ask Tori Lavolo. So I'm, I'm with the Indians. Obviously, I'm behind Jim Tomey. So I'm, I'm, you know. I'm, I got, I got to impress somebody. So I go out there early. I'm, I'm starting that day. It's a you know, spring training game. Packed house, Cleveland, 6,000. It's, it's 90, 1998 with Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, they're the best team in baseball. Right. So I get out there early, and, and, and it's Mike Hargrove in the dugout, the manager. Tori Lavolo, who's you know, at the end of his career, he's probably playing that day too. And me, right? So I'm like, I'll get out there early, show Hargrove I'm serious. I don't know what that meant, but I'm seriously here 15 <laughs> minutes before everybody. <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's probably like, it's probably like 12.35. Guys usually roll out about 12.45. Right. Well, every day, Bob Feller, who if you guys don't know who Bob Feller is in this podcast, Google the guy. Like, yeah. Arguably the greatest pitcher of all time. Yeah. Like, like if he's you go back and look at his stats. He's in the sentence. Ar- he's in the sentence, right? Yeah. He's in the sentence. So they would, they would make that point. And, and a World War II hero. Yeah. I mean, missed four years in his prime. And a very to, serious guy. And very serious. <laughs> I mean, and and the likes of me, he does yeah. not like the people like the likes of me, right? He's just, <laughs> who's this clown? You know, 23 year old clowns there. So Mike Cargo, that so that day. So every day, Bob Filler comes full uni. I think he was, I don't know, 70 something years old. Full Still uni. Still throwing. Full uni. Spikes on with his number 19 on. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, before we play the game, let's make sure we give it up for the legendary. He, the World War II hero, the greatest pitcher of all time, number 19, Bob Feller. Bam, the place comes to their feet, 6,000. <laughs> They're going bananas. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. It's so cool. Like, there's Bob Feller, greatest of all time. So Mike Hargrove, so he tips his cap and plays goes crazy. Mike Hargrove's like, hey, he's like, uh, why don't you throw a catch with Feller today? I'm like, are, are you serious? That'd be great. Because I'm like, I got two hits in the big leagues. 
And if I throw ketchup off Feller, I'll have a great story to tell my grandkids one day, right? Tell my kids, yeah. right? So I go out, I introduce myself. You know, he's real serious. And I'm like, I'm like kind of like giddy happy. Hey, Mr. Feller, how you doing? I'm going to Sean Casey, uh, prospect, top prospect. Uh, all right, you know, get back to it. It's wrong. I'm like, all right, here, here we go. So here we go. Like, you know, a fellow grabs it. He throws it to me. I don't even know why he's playing catch. Can't you just introduce yourself and get out of there? Right. You know, this is no reason to play catch. He still likes to throw, right. man. Yeah. Or at that time. He loved it. He loved God it. rest his soul. Yeah, so he so he throws me one, and I, I get it. I throw it back to him, you know, nice and easy. He throws it to me. I throw it back to him nice and easy. Well, second, third time I throw it back to him nice and easy. I'm kind of lobbing it. And Tori Lavula's like, Case, he from the dugout. And I'm right there. He's like, dude, he's like, shake yourself you're showing up bob feller he's like you can throw it to him like you don't need to lob it to him like he's like a three-year-old kid i go you serious i go am i i'm lobbing it to him so then i realized to myself as i think about this story i kind of had the yips back then (laughs) so i could either lob it or throw it hard like i had no medium because i couldn't like gauge it right so i'm like all right i'll put a little zip on it you know just a little bit of zip so i back up and uh, I get the ball, so I throw one of the feller, throws it back to me, I get it. And just nice and easy, I, I, I rear back and throw it to him with a little bit of mustard on it, right? And he has his glove up, so if you can picture this, he's got his glove up on the left side. And the ball's getting closer and closer and closer. I'm like, what the hell's he doing? Like, what? It looks like he's not going to catch the ball. And all of a sudden, boom, it hits him right in the heart. He goes down, like literally goes to his knees, face plants. And I'm like, oh, my God. I go running over, like, Mr. Feller. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's been in the USS Alabama. You know, kamikaze Japanese guys coming in, you know, Japanese planes he coming survived in. World he survived World War II. He survived World War II. He's an ultimate hero. And here I think I killed Bob Feller playing catch with him. Before <laughs> <laughs> a spring training game. So I'm like, the only one over there, like, Mr. Feller, Mr. Feller, are you okay? He's like, he's in the grass, face down. He's like, ugh. <laughs> and I look up, I'm like, is there any EMTs or something? Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I had the yips. I just let one rip, you know? So next thing you know, EMTs come out of stands. Here comes the training staff. They're like, back up, son. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I back up. They're like, they're shaking around. It's like five minutes. Every person there is on their feet. They're like, who's number 56? <laughs> That was me, like middle linebacker, like, you know, was, who's number 56? I think he killed Bob Feller. So, <laughs> so they're all around. They're like, then, so they finally get him up. Like, six, hurting them, crying six, over six here. The crowd, you could hear a pin drop. There's 6,000 people on their feet, like, oh my God, the legend. So they finally get him up. They're like, Mr. Feller, what happened? I'm like, oh my God, Mr. Feller, thank God you're alive. So they finally get him to his knees. He's like, oh man, he's like, I went golfing yesterday, and he's like, I was on the second tee. I must have jammed my driver against the. Against the ground, racketed my shoulder, and then I, I think I, I hurt my rotator cuff. So when the lad over here, that's me, when the lad over, young lad threw the ball, he's like, I couldn't get my glove over in time. It just smoked me. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. So they get him out. They rush him out. You know, you're like, Man, let's go to get the hospital. And I'm about to play by, you know, I'm starting the game. Right. right? And Mike Hargrove puts his arm around me. He's like, man. He's like, I'll tell you what, Case. He goes, he goes uh, so glad you didn't kill Bob Feller. Because if you did, you definitely would have been released. <laughs> I'm crying over here. I'm serious. I heard his story before, but it just kills me. Oh, wow! God rest thank his soul. Yes, thank goodness he survived that. Can you believe that? that? The, all the all the stuff in World War II. Seriously, four years. The guy's like the, the legend. Yeah, and like you know, one of the toughest guys. I heard one of tough. the toughest guys oh, tough you guy. could know. Like I mean, a real true American hero. <laughs> Drafting right? plane. And I got thrown because I got the yips. So I got to put a little mustard on it. Hit him right in the heart. 
I don't know how I can go on for this. Goodness gracious. You need to book yourself on a comedy tour, by the way. You just, you know, bag this MLB network thing. And just go on the road and tell stories. I know, dude. There's so because many Because you're talking stories. to someone that's heard these stories before, and I'm over here crying. Somebody told me that the other day. I go, dude, the guy goes, I've heard these stories 10 times. And it's funny. You know how you tell a story? You just start mixing in new adjectives, or you tell it a yeah. little different every time. It's like, it's oh. so, it's funny. Like, well, I hope it comes across on audio, because <laughs> seeing you tell the stories, too, is half the fun. But, oh, the podcast world, I hope it comes across. Oh, was it... Uh, I don't know how I can recover from this. <laughs> Western and Southern is committed to helping make Cincinnati the best place to live, work, and play. That's why we're proud to sponsor the Strikeout Cantor Initiative. Every time a Cincinnati Reds pitcher strikes out a batter, Western and Southern makes a donation to the Barrett Cantor Center. We're all in this one together to beat cancer. Join Western and Southern in this mission to make our hometown better than ever. Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Jim Day here. I've teamed up with Swift to talk about my favorite seasons, baseball and grilling, America's pastimes, where people come together to talk, to laugh, to revel in the joyous chaos of family and the shared love of these beautiful words. Play ball! And let's eat! This baseball season, ask for Swift Meats at your local grocer. Good food, good moments, one great meal. Come together with Swift. You're, did you sleepwalk? Was that with the Reds? Oh, yeah, I was with the Reds. Oh, that five, was... oh, 05 in Boston. Dude, I, you're bringing out the stories. I don't even remember some of these stories. <laughs> well, I just remember <laughs> you in a lobby of tidy whiteies. <laughs> and I hadn't used Griffey's Clippers yet either. I was like, look like Chewbacca. <laughs> What happened? You locked yourself out. Well, of the dude, room, I had right? this, I had night terrors like back in the day, like especially playing in the big leagues. I think I was stressed out all the time. But like growing up, and you know, growing up, I my my whole family like sleepwalks for some reason. It's ridiculous, right? Oh, wow. So like sometimes you'll see like an object in the room or an animal when you wake up. You're like, okay, what's going on here? Why why is there a bear in the room? You know what I mean? So like this one night I'm in Boston, and. uh yeah, always the first night I would do something. Second, second, third night I was good, but first night I was always like, "Oh, here we go. What am I gonna do tonight?" So I wake up. I don't, and luckily I don't, I've kind of grown out of it. <laughs> I think I don't do it, do it anymore. But I wake up one night in uh, Boston, and I, I swear to God, I saw like a like a New York City rat, like a sewer rat, like in my room. Like, oh my God, it's one of the biggest rats I've ever seen. And I remember like getting on the bed, like looking, like I was so scared. So then I go out in the hallway real quick. I'm like, I got to get out of the room. Is what I, got. Like, I remember rationally thinking this, like, if I got to get out of the room so this thing doesn't attack me. So I get out of the room, and I like, get down, and I'm looking back in the room for the rat, right? And I'm looking, 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 and then all of a sudden I hear, click, click. And I'm like, and I start waking up because the light's in the hallway, and I'm like, right. oh, my God, I'm sleeping. And now I'm locked out of the room. I'm in the hallway, and it's 4 in the morning, and I'm in a hotel in Boston. I'm in my tidy whities and I haven't used Griffey's Clippers yet. <laughs> So I end up, I end up walking down to the front desk, and I'm like, and the lady at the front desk was mortified. She, I think she thought I was like just off the streets, like doing drugs or something. She's like, "What is this guy doing at the front desk with the tiny whiteies?" So I'm like, "Ma'am," I was like, I, "I know this seems weird, but like I have, I have night terrors, and I, I slept walk, and I locked myself out of my room." <laughs> I'm like, you think there's any chance I get a room key? <laughs> Meanwhile, I have no ID, obviously, yeah, on me. Yeah. So she's like, well, we're going to need an ID, sir. She's like, what's your name? 
And I'm like, Sean Casey. Well, I stayed under an alias. <laughs> yeah. So she, she goes down the list. She goes, we have no Sean Casey staying here. I go, oh, wait. I'm not Sean Casey on the road. I'm John Kanka. Well, she has no idea I'm with the ball club either. So she's like, what's this? This guy's got problems. I'm like, no, I'm John Kanka. My father-in-law is John Kanka. I stay under his name. And I'm with the ball club, so I'm under an alias. She's like, can we get security up here at the front desk? <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing I know, this huge security guard comes to the front desk. It's like, sir, can we help you? Like, and I'm like, yeah. I was like, oh, man, my name's Sean Casey. I'm staying under John Kank. I, I locked myself in my room. I got these sleep problems. You know, he's like, it just doesn't add up. And I'm like, can you just come to my room and I'll get my ID. I'll show you. It's, I promise. I'm staying here. I'm, I'm the first baseman for the Reds. Three-time All-Star. <laughs> The guy takes me up. I get my license out. I'm like, hey, man, I swear it's me. So I shock out. Okay. He's like, all right, man. We believe you. Have a nice night. So, <laughs> so that was my night terror story. I've had a few of those, but that was the that was the big one when I locked myself out of the room. I wish I could have seen the look <laughs> on the people's faces. But you went to the front desk <laughs> yeah. and the tidy white. Security, can you please come to the front desk? <laughs> uh, I saw a video of you recently. Um, it goes on MLB Network, um, and this is a story I hadn't heard before. Oh, really? I, it's it, the one of the few. Story? The arbitration. You know, you know where I'm going. I figured. I don't know why I, I missed this story over the years, <laughs> especially since it involves Jim Bowden. But, <laughs> we, but oh, this man. is again. I don't. I don't. These, these stories are outstanding. But please, please tell the arbitration story. Well, it was. Uh, you know. It was, I just finished. I just finished the you know ninety eight and then ninety nine. I had the All Star year, mm-hmm. and two thousand. I had a I had a pretty good year too. Three fifteen, twenty homers, like eighty five ribbies. It was hurt a little bit at the beginning of the year, and so I'm going arbitration, right? And so and so uh, I no 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 it wasn't. I, we got to the end of the off season, so they hadn't right. made any offer yet. So I submitted a number for three million, and they submitted a number for two point six, right? So you're arguing over four hundred. Oh, two hundred. It's over. (laughs) So if Jim Bowden comes back at two eight, I say, perfect. Who wouldn't want to just do that? You know, it's not like it's not twelve million or ten million. Right. It's you know, it's basically you're marking over at that point. You're arguing over fifty grand after taxes. You know what I mean? So it's like, so I'm like, uh, I'm like, so they offered me two seven. So I'm like, really? So my agent called. He's like, hey, the Reds will not get the two (laughs) eight. They're just offered you two seven. So I'm like. Are you serious? It's like we're probably gonna have to go to arbitration. I go, that's unbelievable. Well, you're I'm in living Florida. Arbitration's in Arizona. You know, in the off season, yeah. those two days, that's like two weeks. That's yeah. like two months. You know, you cherish those days. So I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. We're going to arbitration. Like, yeah, so fly out to Arizona, gotta go to arbitration. Meanwhile, my, my wife's like, just sign for two six. It's so much money. It's so much money. Anyhow, I go, it is so much money. My dad made 30 grand a year living in Pittsburgh. You'll be like, I get it. I yeah. understand that. But like the system's the system and the business is the business. Like, you know, and, and you know, you're trying to meet, get coming in to a medium at two eight, we'd be done. Right? right. So, so anyway, we go out to arbitration and I'm like so furious on that arbitration. I have one, you know, I have one real nice suit that I that I just <laughs> bought in that year. So I wear that out there. I'm looking pretty good. I got, I got a nice tie on everything like that. And my wife, I called my agents. Like, can my wife come in the room with me? Cause she needs to see this arbitration process that it's a business. So agents like, yeah, come on. It's well, if you've never been to arbitration before, it's a, it's a terrible process. A horrible it's process. Horrible process. It's like, you know, but it's a process. I almost feel like every player should go through. If you ever want to see the business side of the game, you know, yeah. and the guys are trying to start trying to save a hundred thousand dollars here, you know, or 400 or whatever, but they, they couldn't get the two eight. So, 
So here we here we go. It's like a court case, right? So I got my agent, Ron Shapiro, Michael Weiner. You know, I rest his soul. One of the best, mm-hmm. you know, union, uh, you know, heads of the unions that we had. Uh, so he's in there as a lawyer, and we I have a ton of lawyers on my team. It's unbelievable. I had no idea, Jim. Like this this arbitration. I look over on the other side. It's like Rob Manfred, Frank Coonley, who's the president of the Pirates. It was his first. He was he worked for the he worked for the commissioner's office, back right? Then. And a bunch of young commissioner like lawyers, right? That are just they have this huge case against me, and I'm thinking to myself like. What have I done? <laughs> like, I, are you kidding me? Like, you got all these lawyers to like, you know, like, and, and here we go. You know, it's going to be this big court case. So my agent, Ron Chaparro, was like, listen, they're going to say some things you really don't like. When they do, just write it down. Don't, you know, don't show emotion. Just write it down. So take this paper. So I'm like, okay. So they start going. Here we go. How you doing? The three arbitrators. I tell you those guys. Next thing you know, they're like, oh, you know, this guy is one of the biggest base cloggers in the league. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Boom. I write. I write. I don't even know what I write down. I want to kill them. You know? Then they're like, oh, you know, defensive, below average defense. Like, what? I'm like, I made one error. You know, you know write it down. You know, this guy crushes the spread after the game. You know, I don't know what they said, but they just. It was phenomenal. I was like, what could they possibly say about me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've had two great years. So they're just crushing me, right? And I remember this young lawyer, for, this young lawyer for the commissioner's office brings new evidence in. Like, he brings in his folder. And it, my agent, Ron Shapiro, realized it's new evidence. So it was like a court case. Like, objection. You know, <laughs> that's new evidence. And the arbitrator's like, objection, you know, whatever they say. Uh, yes, accepted. You cannot enter that because it's, it's new it's new material. And I was like, where? You know, the guy's like 25-year-old lawyer straight out of school. I'm like, that's right, buddy. All your three weeks of, you know, research out the window. So it was just, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. So we go through, and the bottom line is I'm sweating bullets, right? Jim Bowen's right across me. He's doing his thing. You know, he's trying to save some cash for the Reds, which I get it, you know what I mean? But I'm sweating bullets, you know, like I do. I'm sweating right now. I was telling these stories. And so, like, I'm just marinating in my, you know, I got the suit on. I'm hot. You know, and it's, it's, there's tons of people in the room. So it's like, you know, it's, your, it's a furnace. So they're like, all right, let's take a break. We've been in there two hours. Let's take a break and reconvene. So we go out to take a break. I'm in the, I'm in the hallway. I'm in the lobby. And I'm like, I'm like you got to be kidding me. I was like, that's why you should be here, honey. You know, I tell Mandy, I'm like, that's why you should be here, Mandy. You see? You see? It's a huge business. They're crushing me. You see? She goes, yeah, I see now. This is unbelievable. I can't, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. So then Jim Bowden comes up, and he's like, hey, you know, Sean, I just want to tell you, you know, it's, it's not personal. This is business. And I go, no, Jim, it's officially gotten personal. <laughs> and, uh, Jim and I have always had a great relationship, so I don't think he minds the story. But I'm like, no, now it's personal. Like, you know, you're crushing me in there for no reason. I shouldn't even be here in Arizona for two days. No. So anyway, you know, it goes through this. So I, it took talking to Bowden, I get even more fired up. So I start f- sweating even more, right? And and then it's like it's like, and, and, and then I start realizing, I'm like, you know, I'm fired up. All these things are going on, and something smells so bad in there. It's phenomenal. It smells like hot garbage. It's like. You know, you get the hot garbage in the summer. You put it in there like like in July in Pittsburgh. It's like 95 degrees. You're like, go to put the other bag in the, that stench hit. You're like, geez. So I'm like, it's unbelievable. And, she, and, and, and I go, what is that smell? And my wife leans in. She goes, she goes, oh, my God. And she goes, I think it's you. I go, what? Are you kidding me? So then I go into my jacket. I'm like, oh, my God. It is me. It's unbelievable. And I go, and she goes, oh, my gosh. She goes, is that the suit jacket the cat pissed on the last road trip of the year? <laughs> And I go, yeah, it is. Did you get it dry cleaned? She goes, no, cat pee. She goes, I got it dry cleaned, but I guess cat pee doesn't come out of anything. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, worst nightmare ever. So I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I take off the jacket. I throw it in the garbage. 
And now I'm like, now I'm like marinating. Like it's coming out of me. It's like it's like Cat P Man. You know, I'm like the superhero. <laughs> He's like the evil evil person. He's like Cat P Man. <laughs> so so I go back into the I go back into the thing, and I I'm like I don't even care that I smell at this point. I'm just like I smell like cat urine. It's like, have you ever smelled cat pee? Yes. It's for all, like if it gets in the carpet, it never it's gets terrible. out. It's like, it'll ruin your house, yeah. right? Well, obviously ruin my suit jacket and and my and my. Uh, you know my sanity. So anyway, I go back in there, and uh, you know this whole thing. I, you know, we 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 finish up the case for an hour, and they they, they call uh, <laughs> they call like an hour later and say, "Hey, man, we just want to let you know, congratulations, you won your arbitration case." And I'm like, "Man, the first thing I'm going to do is go buy a new suit, two or three of them. I got to start mixing and matching because obviously when you have one and something a situation something happens in your life and the cat pees on your jacket, it doesn't work out too well." <laughs> Your one and only arbitration case. Yeah, one arbitration case. Oh. I couldn't have a good suit. It was like a bootleg suit too. It was like, you know, hundred twenty bucks somewhere. Yeah, you were taking to dress it. Up. I really wasn't. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know how your face hurts when you're you laughing so much. Or you, you got me hurting over there. Oh, um, when you. You went to Boston. I hate to bring up bad things, but it's funny now because speaking of bass clogger, not the oh, you, know, you could rake. I mean, you're one of the best hitters well, I've I ever seen. If I put in the gap, I could jog. <laughs> you're, you're one of the best hitters I've ever seen. I mean, you could just flat out rake. You could probably get if they gave you five at bats right now. You could probably get one hit. I bet you you could get I one bet hit. You I could. I bet, I you, bet I could. you could get one hit. You try being a career 300 hitter with my with my wheels. Okay, I, that's that's called raking. Yes, that's true. You got but you did get thrown out from left field. <laughs> I did. I did. That was in 06. That wasn't with Boston. All that, okay. that was with Detroit. Okay, yeah, okay. That's a there different story. Which story are you going with here? I want, I'm starting with the one you got thrown out in left field. You want to hear that one? Okay. And then the one in Boston, I know. <laughs> So, so it's a it's a day game. We're facing John Garland, and and, and I'm with the Tigers at the time. In o, in 06, I just got you know traded the year before from the Reds, um, and we're middle of a pennant race. It's August. We're, we're we're neck and neck with the White Sox. We're playing them day game. I remember John Garland throws me, you know, first the bat throws me a you know one one sinker, and I cover it right left center gap. Great piece of hitting. Well, Brian Anderson, a center fielder, just you know lays out one of the greatest plays of the year. You know, it was unbelievable diving play. Like he catches it. I'm like, oh man, that stinks. You know what I mean? So next time I come up, we're losing like eight nothing. It's a day game, nine nothing, packed house in Detroit. And those fans are unbelievable. That, that for that run, it was mm. phenomenal, right? So the atmosphere was unbelievable. And I had just gotten traded. It was like probably my third week there. So next at bat, I come up. John Garland again throws me a sinker, right? Now and I I covered again. Bam! We don't have a hit off him yet, right? I rip one right above Joe Creedy's head at third, right? So Joe Creedy's the third baseman. He jumps up, catches the ball, kind of looks at it, right? Comes down like, oh, man, he caught it. Well, I just had to play at, at Brian Anderson, so I'm like, you got, I kind of threw a pity party for myself. you got to be kidding me. Two missiles and two outs? It's unbelievable. So I, I start walking off because when do you ever hustle out a line out? If you line out, you're not hustling down to first, yeah. right? You're like, I lined out. I'm out. So I start walking off, right? Well, what, right when I walked off. The crowd starts going berserk. And I'm like, is there a fight in the stands? I thought there was a fight in the stands. I look up, is there a fight in the stands? I'm like, what the heck's going on here? Well, I had walked five feet this way, and it changed my angle. So now I'm past Creedy. Well, guess what? Pablo Azuna's picking the ball up in left field. And I'm like, first off, Pablo Azuna, if you go back to the scouting reports, is probably the only guy in the big leagues with an 80 arm. 
No one has an 80 arm, but this yeah. guy does, right? 80's the top. A top. And yeah, Scott Pasednik should be out there who has like a 20 arm. Yeah. Like, so, so I'm like, so I see Pablo's doing picking up. I'm like, oh my gosh, Creedy didn't catch the ball. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So, bam, here I go. I, I, I put my helmet back on. I'm like, why would you do that too in the first place? Like, I'm going to be slower putting my helmet back on. Put my helmet back on. I just start running down to first base. And you know my running technique. It's like it's like I'm 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 ice skating a quickstand, like arms going back and forth. Like 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 you're like you're supposed to be like cheek to cheek, but for some reason yeah. I just couldn't do it on the baseball field. Like if I ran like in, on a track, I could do it. But baseball, like I just turned into this, like, you know, so I'm I'm like shuffling back and forth. And all I could think about was I'm gonna get thrown out from left field. <laughs> I'm running down to first base. So Pablo Zuna comes up and the ball's not there yet. I'm like five feet away. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. It's like bang, bang, play for us. I lunge out like I'm a sprinter. Boom. Ron Cobra, the umpire, is like, out. I'm like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> so, so I'm like so pissed off. And I come back to the dugout. No one said. They, first time in my life, I got booed off the field. Like 60,000 people. Like, they didn't know me. Like the Cincinnati right. anyway at the time. Like I'd never, ever not run out of ball. Never run, not run out of ball right. hard. And my dad would have killed me, right? So, right. And then, so it was, I was embarrassed at first. I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. Not even, the, not even throwing off the left, just the fact that I, that happened, you know? So, so I get booed relentlessly off the field. Go in the dugout. I think I destroyed a chair or something like that. And, uh, you know, uh, and after the game, um, after the game, I get, go to get in the car, and I'm just, like, so mad and embarrassed, all that stuff. And I get in the car. I've got three kids. You know, Andrew, Jake, my two sons at the time were probably four and three. And uh, Carly, my little daughter, was, was, was not even one at the time. And so <laughs> we got three kids in the car crying. Everyone's, you know, eh, you know. And I got Mandy in the car, and I'm, I'm so mad. I'm not saying anything. And Mandy's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's wrong with me? She got thrown off from left field. <laughs> and we lost, I think, 12 nothing. I just got booed off the field by 60,000 people. Not six. We're not at a high school game. 60,000 people just booed me. It's the longest 100-yard, 100 100-foot walk ever when I, when I was jogging to get off the field. Right? So she, And we were, we were driving to Cleveland for an off day. And so, sure enough, she's like, oh, come on. If you can't laugh at that, what can you laugh at? I'm like, don't talk to me for the four hours, right? <laughs> so we get to Cleveland on, on a side note of the story. The place called Panini's there. So we, my father-in-law, John Kank, and I, who, who's my alias, we go to get some wings. So we get some wings, a couple beers. We're sitting there, and we're, we're watching ESPN that night, right? So right. they have the top ten plays of the night. Number one is Brian Anderson <laughs> catching my rocket in the left center gap. So I'm like, oh, look at that, Dad. Number one play is Brian Anderson catching my first ball. They go right to the untop ten. The number one play is me getting thrown off of left. <laughs> you were part of the best play and the worst play. And that of the night, day. the best play and the worst play of the night, I was part of both of them. <laughs> uh, now, you, you're right. You're, you're not used to getting booed, but um, there was a day in Boston. Oh, I got booed there, too. It's, it all has to do with my running for some reason. We're in Boston. I get a start. You know, I'm, I'm coming off the bench. It was the only year I came off the bench my last year, and uh, it was fun to play in Boston, man. That was another cool place, and there was nothing quite like that atmosphere with those fans. It was so fun. And um, I'm playing, I think, my first at bat. I hit a ball off the monster, you know, and when you hit it off the monster, you don't know, you don't know, you know, off the green monster, you don't know where it's going to kick, how it's going to kick, right. how far did you really hit it, how far didn't you hit it. Is the guy, is, you know, is the left fielder on? Is he going to get it on a hop? Is it going to die? Is it going to kick? Hard to the, judge whether they go to know. second base. So I hit a ball off the wall. I end up you know, rounding first base, going for two, and then the guy comes up throwing. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, you can see the play right in front of you. It's like, uh-oh, it looks like he's like 50 feet away from second. 
So he comes up, hoses me by like 20 feet. It was like the Willie Mays, Willie Mays Hayes, like in Major League. Like, come on, come on. I'm like, so I just slide in, like, you know, like, you're out. So I come back, and I'm like, geez, you know, I was bad. I'm like, you're so slow. You know, everyone's booing me. And meanwhile, I, I was on the DL or like two weeks earlier with a hip flexor strain. Yeah. So it never got better. So I was kind of slow with a hip flexor strain, right? So it was like, Double doozy, but I was like, I gotta come back because I can hit. I'm still fine. So my next bat, I come up, absolute hit a missile in the gap, in the gap, in Boston. I mean, covered it right. So I'm kind of like, I'm not trotting, but I'm like, that's definitely gone. So I'm, I'm kind of jogging. So I round first base, hits the top of the fence, like hit a nail or something. Comes back. Nick Markakis, the right fielder, bare hands it. He's got a cannon. So I'm like, we got a situation here because I've already committed to go to second. <laughs> So like we got a situation. So I'll fly as quick as I can. Next thing you know, bam, Marquez comes down, comes up, hosing, strike, bang, out by like five feet, like legit. So I, I'm running off and crowds like, ah, stay at first. You know, quick going for two. He's just slow. I'm like, I'm jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm how embarrassing. You know what I mean? So I go, I put my helmet down, I go to sit down, and, and Terry Francona is the best. You know, he leaves. Your manager. He's my manager. He looks over, he goes, Case, can I talk to you real quick? I was like, Yeah, what's up, Skip? He's like, Hey, man, I was just thinking. It's like. How, is there any chance you might have polio? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like, I don't know. I've never really thought of that before. Maybe I need to go to the doctor. I was, I've never seen this happen before. It's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Didn't you get a hit though later? Oh, yeah, then I get a hit on my last bat off the green monster around first base and a standing ovation. I stayed at first. <laughs> they gave you a standing ovation because you standing stayed ovation. at first. Yeah. So what, you had three balls off the monster? Yeah. Like no, three. one ball off the monster, one ball to right center. All oh, right center. Right center, which is like 400 feet. So you got like three hits. Yeah, but, I was like three but, hits. But, three hits thrown out twice. <laughs> Tito's a man. Oh, it's so good. He could be a That's funny so, guy, too. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my goodness gracious. You're killing me here. Um, you know, you're also – you and I share over the years the, the love of wrestling. I mean, oh, we're, yeah. we're two nerds. <laughs> we really are, dude. That's why I think that's where our big time friendship started. We were just. <laughs> I think it was. I was like so sick of talking baseball. Like, oh, yeah. the Jim will talk wrestling with me. Yeah, we started talking <laughs> Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, or and remember about our buddy Tom Stewart. Oh yeah, Tom Stewart was was a was yeah. a, you know he was the ca- one of the main camera guys for WWE. Right. He still is, and he was a cameraman in the in the in the dugout for the Reds. Right, and he would always I remember him bringing me a bunch of Raw and SmackDown shirts, saying like, oh, yeah. "Hey, we heard you're a wrestling fan." I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Here's some shirts." Well, I love this guy. And I still talk to Stu to this day. It's so yeah. funny I see him. Oh, when I go to an event or something, he, yeah, yeah this guy, these guys are great, man. But you. <laughs> Speaking of charmed life, <laughs> friends with John Cena. Now, how did this start? Oh, my gosh. Well, while I was in Boston, uh, Cena comes out. and We're in Tampa, and we're, we're, we're neck and neck with the Rays, right? And, uh, and, and up, on the bill, up on the big screen comes, and Cena lives in Tampa, but he's from West Newbury, Mass., which right. is in Boston. So he, um, he comes uh, up on the screen, and he's like, all right, Rays fans, let's all start cheering. Feel the heat. Rays, and he's leading the show. I'm like, like John Cena's from West Newbury, Mass. He's not a Rays fan. They're probably paying him to beat. I'm that like, guy. yeah, probably yeah. Him and like I think the Nasty Boys, Hobbs was up there too. <laughs> so, so, so Cena does this whole thing, and Tim Wakefield and I are like joke around, like we got to get a hold of him. So I call my buddy, I call Stu, and I think my, right. Marty Miller, my buddy Marty Miller, who's camera. I said, hey, dude, you have Cena's number? I said, Tim Wakefield, and I want to call him. So I call Cena. I'm like, hey, listen, man. 
you're not, we know you're from West Newbury. I leave him a message. He doesn't answer. He's like, who's this guy calling me? You know, so I, you know, leave him a message. We know you're from West Newbury, Mass, and you're a Boston Red Sox fan. We, you know, we've seen you up on the big, big screen cheering for the Rays. You know, you need to clean that up. We go and I go into like a whole promo. Like, <laughs> you know, if me, and Wake, a wrestling if, promo if me and Wakefield see you, you're going down. We're going to double <laughs> suplex you and come after you. And we cut this whole promo. And Wakefield goes on. Hey, brother, we know you're 11-time champ, but we'll take you out if you keep cheering for the Rays. It's pretty funny, right? <laughs> so I get a text back like, dude, great message. Thanks for the message. Well, let's let's hook up at some point, you know, get together, you know, you know and uh, you know maybe have a couple beers or something like that. So I'm like, I'm like, that sounds great. So I start talking to Cena, going back and forth. So this one time we're playing in Tampa, late in the season, and I said, uh, Hey, you want to get together? He's like, Yeah, let's get together. He goes, I'll meet you after my workout at like 11:30. I'm like, uh, Who works out at like 9:30, 10 o'clock at night? <laughs> I guess John Cena does. That's Cena how, does. that's how you that's how you look as jacked as he yeah. is, right? So, so I'm with like, so I'm like, I say to some of the guys, we're out, we're having an off day. So I say to some of the guys, like, uh, hey, who wants to come see John Cena, this WWE champ with me? Well, you know, Tim Wakefield's like, I'm in. Jason Bay's like, I'm in. And then this other guy, Jonathan Van Avery, you know, he's a rookie. He's like, I'm in. So we go to the bar. Sure enough, here comes Cena, comes in. He's, you know, with his, his fiance at the time and her brother. So his brother in law, he comes in. I mean, Jim, have you ever, have you ever shook <laughs> John Cena's hand? It's a, I mean, yeah. though, he's a mom. It hurts. It hurts. He's a monster. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, his fingers are like bratwurst, like five bratwurst. You're like, how you doing? I'm like, oh my god, it's like Tim Krimchek's hands, you know, <laughs> huge sausage fingers, you know. So I, I shake his hand, and he's like twice the size of me. You know, I'm, I'm like six three, two forty. Yeah, he's like two, two. I'm like, no wonder you work out at ten o'clock at night. That's how you get that big. I just start oh, doing chiseled that. Chiseled out of chiseled. granite. So anyway, we sit down, and uh, you know, we have a couple beers, and we're. And we're talking, we're talking shop, we're talking about the four horse, and you know, I'm like, oh, my favorite wrestler was Arn Anderson, love Flair, you know, go back to Ole Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and those guys, and we get talking, and he was tell, telling telling us about how much you know Flair had had influence on his career, and all the guys, you know, and just just a great, great dude. Like it's cool when you meet somebody you look you look up to, like oh, you you really enjoy you know what they do, and, and they're really cool. So really cool guy, have a great time. So we're getting ready to leave. It's probably like you know one o'clock now in the morning, and uh, I said to him, I said. Hey, Hey man, before I go, you know, any chance I could give you a chop? <laughs> <laughs> like a Ric Flair yeah, chop? Yeah, like a Ric Flair chop. Like, I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. Like, I, 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 he's so big. I'm like, so give him one chop. He's like, he goes, yeah. I go, how do they? No, I go, how do they chop each other? You know, you guys are doing the woo, you know? Yeah. And it looks like you're coming up. He goes, no, you don't come up. He goes, he goes, hit me as hard as you can, right above, you know, right to the right. I mean, right above my heart. Hit me as hard as you can. Uh, right, right by my shoulder. That's how you. That's how you chop. It's like, boom! You hit him you know, right like that. He goes, hit me as hard as you can. There. That's how you chop a guy. I go, All right, cool. He goes, hey, go. He goes, one stipulation here. You, you chop me. I get to chop you. I get to chop you back. So I'm like, I think for a second, the the squirrel starts going through my head, and I go, All right, deal. So, I, so I'm like, All right, I gotta get a good one here. If he's gonna chop me, I gotta get at least a good one. You know. So I like. Back up a little bit. I come flying up, crow hop like I'm about to throw someone out the plate. Boom! I smoke him. I'm like, oh my god, my hand! Did I just voluntarily hit a brick wall as hard as I can? Seriously, no, Jim. I'm not kidding. That's what it felt like. I was like, I thought I broke my hand. I was like, oh my god, it hurts so bad. So he's like, okay. He's like, I get to chop you now. I was like. Oh, it's such a bad idea. I was like, I want to take it back. I was just kidding. I didn't want to chop you. I'll take the chop back. It didn't hurt you, did it? He's like, no, that deal was a deal's a deal, bro. I get to chop you too. So I'm like, all right. So like, I bow up. I'm like, 
lock down my chest as hard as I can. I'm like, oh, here we go. It's on. He doesn't even crow up or anything. He just steps in and go. And I was like. I, was like, I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought the life came out of me. I go down to a knee in, in, the, in the hotel bar. I'm like, ah! Now you know what Bob Feller's are like. Exactly. <laughs> I'm down and I'm like, I have piercing pains going through my body. Like, I've never felt this way before. Like, I'd rather have Randy Johnson just say, hey, Case, I'm going to hit you with 100 in the ribs. Go ahead. Because I've been chopped by John Cena, like, joking around. I was down. It's one of the worst pains of my life. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, I didn't know what to do. I'm down. Here. As I'm down on the floor, I hear Tim Wakefield go, I want one of those. I'm like, and I couldn't even talk. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> but I couldn't, I couldn't communicate because I was in so much pain. So here I go. Wakefield hits him. Boom. And, 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 and Cena goes, good sound effects. I'm like, oh, this guy's in trouble. <laughs> next thing you know, boom, Cena hits Wakefield. He comes right next to me. He's like, ah! I'm like, bro, I told you this is so dumb. What are we doing? This is the dumbest idea ever. So I'm on the floor with Tim Wake, me and Tim Wakefield. Next thing you know, Cena, J- J- Bay's like, Jason Bay's our best player. He's like, Cena's like, you want to chop? Jay Bay's like, no, I don't want to chop. <laughs> So I go, Jonathan Van Avery's a rookie. So I go, all right, Van Avery, get up here. He's a rookie. I go, Cena, chop him. He's a rookie. So boom, Cena hits him. He goes down. <laughs> so we got three guys down. Long story short, wake up the next day, just like seriously feel like I got in a car accident. Like I'm like, oh, my God, I don't, I don't know if I can play. I'm going to have to call Tito and say, like, I got an off day. I know I'm on the bench. I can't even pinch hit. I'm so much pain. So we get, in the, we get in the clubhouse. Wakefield goes to change. He takes his shirt off. I go, dear God. He's got the biggest black and blue handprint on a chest that I've ever seen in my life. Literally, it's like humongous. I go, bro, have you seen your chest? He looks down and he goes, oh, my God. So I'm like, I must have one of those. Take my shirt off. Huge handprint. Van Avery's like next to me. He takes off handprint. And he also chopped Jay Bay on the way out on the back. So Jay Bay takes his shirt off. I'm like, dude, did you got, he got you Jay Bay on the back. Huge scene of handprint. And I call, I call my buddy Marty Miller and Stu and those guys. And I go, dude, I went out with Cena last night. It didn't go off so well. He just ended up chopping all of us. And we went down. He's like, dude, you can't go out with Cena, man. The guy's an outlaw. I was like, thanks for telling me. That didn't work out too good. Yeah, so much for it being fake. I mean, sure, yeah, it's scripted oh, and fake. Oh, but they still have Are to, you kidding me? Are you kidding you me? Still, they, they, they really chop each other. Like, if John Cena would ever chop. Like, yeah. We're normal humans. Right. We think we're normal. Or they're taking chairs. It's me? like it's still, you know, oh, it's they're, they're putting their arm up or they're getting on their flat oh. back. It's still a chair to the oh, back. Oh, you oh know? dude, dude, John Cena, Cena told me that. He goes, when the big show hits you, he said the big show, like, get in your ear and go, sorry, man. Boom! <laughs> I chop you. He said, when the big show hits you, you feel like you're literally like, Gonna have a heart attack. He's like, I'm. I, he goes, I'm. That's not even anything. Oh, and I yeah, heard. Yeah. I asked. The, I was on the Big Show came on MLB Network a couple weeks ago. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, I was on with he's him. Good, I did he's a show. good dude. Great guy. And he was telling me. I said, Hey, who is the toughest chopper beside you? He goes, Seamus. He says, When Seamus hits you, man, it's like straight from Ireland. Just boom. <laughs> He's a big dude too. That's unbelievable, man. You went uh, backstage a- of Raw one night. And oh yeah. I was like, Wow. You know, oh, these guys kid. are monsters. And. uh Scooter, Scooter Jeanette was just on this podcast, and he's challenging these guys. He did? Yeah, he's like looking up at Braun Strowman. He said, you're not so big. <laughs> he's like, how about I step on you? He was Scooter. trying to get them to give him a chair shot. 
he was going to pay him like three hundred dollars. Wait, <laughs> did, did, wait, he, they, he first, wasn't scooter. To, he, they wanted he wanted a wrestler to give him a chair <laughs> shot. Now that's legit. I knew I love scooter Jeanette. <laughs> and they wouldn't do it. They're like, bro, you don't understand. This is not oh a good God. thing. It's. And he's like, oh, I, I'm taking a fastball at ninety seven. So yeah, like, no, it can't be worse uh, than no, that. No, it is. Believe me, it's way worse. Getting hit by John Cena is like taking a 212 mile an hour fastball. He said that it's not. It couldn't be as bad. <laughs> but, he um, totally disagrees. But, but please, he's never been chopped. yeah, it never been chopped before. Exactly. I have a story that I've never told on the back end of that story. Oh, please. Do. Two weeks You've later, never told. Well, I've never really told in this oh, setting. Let's two do week, it. Two weeks later, Raw is in um, is in Pittsburgh, so I go and I text Cena. Hey, man, I'm coming to the show. No, I text Marty Miller, my buddy. So Marty and Stu, Tom Stewart. Uh, gets me uh, tickets so right there in the front row. It's like, so great. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm like, how old was I at the time? I'm 32 years old, still in the front row. WWE Raw. I'm like, what the heck? Why? Somebody's got to do it. No, I'm 34. I'm 34 years old. I just so, did it a couple years ago. Like, yeah, look, dude, look at me. I'm an old it. fart. I know. Yeah. It's so great though. It's fun when you're there. You know. Oh, yeah. So here we go. Cena's in the last match, right, of Raw. I don't even think he's in a match. I think he's just on, uh, you know, he's in the last match on Raw. But you know how they always have a bonus match, yeah. right? So when Cena's, in the, when Cena's in the ring, he sees me. And I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, hey, dude, what's up? You know, how you feeling? I'm like, still, I'm still hurting two weeks later. <laughs> Such a bad idea. So, 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 um, so the, they're, they're having a match at the end, a dark match, right? So, so Chris Jericho comes out to take on Cena right. in a dark match that's not on TV. Right. So. Pit, pit, place in Pittsburgh, they're all fired up. Everyone stayed to watch the dark match. So um, they start going at it. And then Cena gets thrown out of the ring, and, and, and so does Jericho. Well, Cena looks at me, looks at me, says something to Jericho, points at me, and says, that guy right there, like kind of like the so – I'm like, all right, something's happening here, but I don't know exactly what. Next thing I know, Jericho runs Cena over, throws him over the railing. Cena falls on me, like as sweaty as a human could be, and just dead fishes on me, like on purpose. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm in my chair, like, what the heck? This guy's a monster. Like, it's like sliming all over my body, and he's doing it on purpose, like taking his hand, like he's wailing, you know? So then I, so then I pretend like getting back in the match. You're like, Jimmy, you know, oh, you've seen guys like oh, yeah. throw, you know, maybe a guy throw over a guy. So I throw Cena back over, like, like I'm in the match. Like you're in the match. Like I'm in the match. But I know it's a dark match, so I'm thinking, hey, they're kind of messing with me, Cena and Jericho. I don't know Jericho either. So so next thing I know, I, I stand up, I throw Cena in. Jericho comes over and gets in my face. And I heard he's really tough, like in real life. So I'm like, and I've heard that. So I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. You know, Chris Jericho's in my, I'm part of the storyline, right? So he's like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? You know, you know. And, and then he take, he hits my hat off. He slaps my hat off. So what do I do? I throw a punch. I thought like a, one of the fake punches, like boom. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, and like they they taught me in HWA back in the day when they came, they were in Cincinnati. Yeah. It was like Val Venus, like all those guys. Yeah, Eddie you Gr and Danny Eddie Graves. Graves. Yeah, yeah, we used to go there all the time. They, yeah. Then they would do. I'd get in there and throw these fake punches. So I'm like, oh, it's my first time I get to use it. So Jericho's like, yeah, it's my hat off. Boom! I fake punch him, but I kind of caught him, but not not with a punch. So he kind of wants to fight me. Then him and Cena go, and they, you know, they go out. Next thing you know, it's huge security guards got my like got me by the neck, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm friends with uh, John Cena. He just chopped me two weeks ago. You know, they're like escort me out of there, right? And then I hear it on the thing, and they're like, No, no, he's friends with Marty Miller and Stu and those guys. He's good. So they're like, All right, you're good. They said you're good. They, they almost got me. So I go back to my seat, right? So after the match, I go back with Tom Stewart, and Marty Miller on their bus, right. you know, camera guys. 
And they're like, hey, man, they're like, Jericho's pissed. He's like, he feels like you showed him up. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're in his arena and, you know, you kind of showed him up through that punch and, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't even know why I did that. He, t- he hit my hat off, Cena slobbering all over me with his sweat. And, like, I thought I was just part of the match. I thought it was, like, fun. And then I almost got escorted out of the arena. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> so, so, so they're like, you should go in the back and say you apologize to Jericho. So I'm like, all right, well, come with me. Like, I'm scared. <laughs> Guy's going to kill me. So I go in the back, and I go, I go up there, and, I'm, and, and Jericho's in the other room. He's back there, Jericho. So I go up to Cena. I go, dude, what's up? I go, is Jericho really pissed? Like, I thought you guys were just kidding around, like, get me in the match. And I don't know why I threw a punch. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but I just, I don't know. I thought it would be fun. You know, I've never been in a wrestling match before. <laughs> and Cena's like, don't worry about it, man. He's just being a baby. Like, don't even worry about it. He's just, he's pissed off. He you know, feels like he showed him up. I'm like, all right. Next thing I know, Chris Jericho's in my face. It's like, hey, bro. I don't come to the baseball field and come on there and like and like and play around with you and like show you up and like when you're hitting and like run through the box and stuff like that. I go, I go, are you serious? No, no, I'm scared. I'm like, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm like, make me a bird so I can fly out of here. So I'm like, are you serious, man? I go, dude, I would never show you up. I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing out there. I don't know what got over me. When you hit my hat, I just like instinctively threw like a fake punch. I thought it was funny. Guess it wasn't. So Jerry the King Lawler comes in and and Michael Cole. Now people are surrounding us, oh like they think we're gonna fight. Gracious. I'm like, I do not want to fight anyone. So he's like, Yeah, he's like, that's not cool, man. He goes, I, I should. He's like, I should kick your butt right now. I'm like, No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> so, I'm, dude, I'm, did you make amends? What? I'm sweating bullets, and then he's finally like, I'm just kidding, man. Oh, <laughs> Oh, God, like, you're just kidding. Thank God. I look over. Cena starts laughing. No one else was in on it but Cena, Tom Stewart, and Marty Miller, and, and, and Jericho. So, like, Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler. It was a total work. Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole. They're there ready to, like, hey, man, back up. It's okay. He's a nice guy. He's Sean Casey. nice guy. That's great. They had you. Oh, dude. It's got you, man. I was just kidding. I was like, I almost started to cry. You had like, me, then the story, or just tell him the story right there. I'm like, I can see Jericho being mad. Oh, yeah, no, I thought he was, dude. He was so good. And, like, I literally almost cried to, like, happiness. Like, thank you, man, for not kicking my butt. I was just kidding. <laughs> a go-to karaoke song go-to karaoke song um actually you you're friends with artists so you, you actually just <laughs> sing along to the actual yeah, right, person yeah, playing it doesn't yeah, need right. to be karaoke <laughs> well if, what's your favorite what pearl jam song would you sing if you know what i like there's so many good songs there's, 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 the song sing. the song that i love mm-hmm. is a song called unemployable yeah and it's on the avocado album right and uh I've only heard him play it one time, and, I, and it was in, he was in Pittsburgh. You know, they were in Pittsburgh, and I said he he asked me, "What do you want to hear?" And I said, "Can you play Unemployable, please?" One time, and they played it in 2013 in Pittsburgh. That the so fact cool. that they change up set lists, and he, <laughs> so and he does cool. it for the mood he's in uh, or the cool? mood yeah. of the city. That's what's cool, you know, about going to Pearl Jam shows is just like you know Ed, you know the way they sit do the set list and those guys yeah. do it. And, you know, it's uh it's pretty cool. And the band, yeah. the show's never the same, right? And the band has to talk about you know we, we got to stay on our toes here because we don't know we've got to learn all these songs. We've got to know them. It's so cool. They're, they're, it's and other cover songs no. that they do of other yeah, groups. They're, oh yeah, they're unbelievable. What was cool? One of the coolest things was when Bronson Royal got a chance to uh, yeah. go up on stage and play Black with Vetter right. at Fenway. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a dream come true. Yeah. He will talk about that, by the way, in a future episode of the Jim Day Podcast. <laughs> there you go, see? Talk to him about it, so we look forward to that. 
Uh, if you could have been a professional athlete in another sport, what would it have been? Uh, probably a wrestler. Does that count? Yeah, sure. <laughs> if, if I wouldn't get hurt off the top rope. Well, would you have been a, a, a baby face, which is a good guy, or a heel? Bad guy. I'd probably have been a baby face, but I, I would have turned at some point. But your all-time favorite is Arn Anderson, one of the greatest heels of all time. What a great heel he was, wasn't he? Enforcer, he was was great on the mic. He was so great. I used to love, uh, you know, I was thinking King Kong Bundy just passed away. And I was thinking, they they told me that today. I remember going down to a trampoline at my friend's house. I think I was like 10 or 11 years old. And I remember that night on WTBS at 7.05, it was going to be King Kong Bundy versus Hands of Stone Ron Garvin for the title. It's so funny how I remember that. I'm like, why do I remember that? And I think, I think Garvin ended up winning the title on Bundy. Oh wow! Uh, we've already covered that you sing in the shower. <sighs> yep, which is great. I like to have a secret <laughs> mic in there, dude. Every morning I, I get to talk to Mandy every morning about I get this. the tunes going. Really? Yeah, a little Tom Petty, Seeger. Yeah, I gotta have a big speaker in the bathroom so I can just jam. Oh, it's, a, it's a must. I like yeah. want to stay in the shower just to keep the tunes going. <laughs> What music is queued up right now? Right yeah. now? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I was listening to a little Against the Wind, Bob Seger. Wow, great tune. Yeah, great tune. That's, he wrote that about my life, Against by the way, the before wind. I got married. <laughs> before I got married. Yeah. Well, I Deadlines was... and commitments. <laughs> yeah. What to leave in, yeah. what to leave oh, out. Yeah. yeah. One of the great lines, and this was me before, you know, I didn't get married until later in life. I was living to run and running to living live. Living to live. It's so true. <laughs> living to run. That's so That song. Later, he so wrote phenom- that phenomenal. No, he wrote that about me. Seriously, before I got married, <laughs> I was saying the same thing. He wrote about me. <laughs> what would your autobiography be called? Conversations at the corner. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. Because man, you would wear people. Out. I was crushing people. <laughs> like somebody shut this guy up. Was there anyone that looked over that like wasn't receptive to you? Ricky Talk? Henderson, my first year. Yeah, I was like, hey, Ricky, great way to swing it. He like, he looked at me like. All right, zip it. Bam, he was stealing second. <laughs> you would wear people out. Oh Every time we took a shot of you at first base, you just yap him. <laughs> I know, man. Who was the goofiest teammate that you ever? Pete Harnish. Hands, hands down. down. Hands that down. guy was a... Him and Denny Nagel, but Pete Harnish, hands down. I saw a picture of him the other day, which was, I probably shouldn't give it away, but. It was, it was basically him uh, didn't have any clothes on. He was oh, really? On the bus. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he was on the bus. He was, he was like, getting ready to get on the bus. And, and he was fully soaped up. I was there. He got in the shower, got fully lathered up, soap everywhere, went out with a helmet and a bat on with yeah. John Allen in the front seat. He's like, all right, guys, let's go get him today. Make sure we play hard. What's up, John Allen? Hey, listen. I'm like, oh, my God. Someone has a picture of him in a batting stance with the bat and the helmet Dude, on. Dude, Pete Harnish every day in the shower would do like a handstand. You come in. You come in and like, Pete. What are you doing? He's like cleaning the private parts. I'm like, these guys in a full handstand. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> man! I appreciate the time. This was I could, oh goodness, I could sit here and laugh all day. I I need some aspirin. I've, I've got you know the laugh headache going. <laughs> The permanent smile. Yeah, know, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. Me like, too. oh, my face hurts. <laughs> really, I, mean, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate uh, appreciate you getting together and uh, coming by. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that too. I don't know if anyone's gonna be able to top you. Good luck on that. <laughs> Whoever's on my podcast in the future, good luck. <laughs> appreciate it, bro. Thanks. All right, Jimmy, you're my All man. Right. All right, buddy. All right. I hope you enjoyed classic Sean Casey. <laughs> I mean, these stories. Uh, I could comment about him forever, but 
nearly killing Bob Feller. <laughs> I mean, seriously. The way he tells it, it's just gold. It's just beautiful. Sean, thank you. We will have Sean back again on this podcast with another edition. And again, happy All-Star break, everyone. Hope you're having a great one wherever you are. However you're listening, thanks again. And we'll see you next time here in the Gym Day Podcast. Baseball present. Baseball past. Gonna share a few stories. Gonna have a few laughs. On the Gym Day. The Gym Day.